Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Key Ingredient Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Bruce Shiner. Bruce is a local attorney actually specializing in personal injury with offices here in the Fort Myers Naples office. Bruce, thanks for joining me here today. Thanks for having us. Looking forward to this because I don't think a night goes by where I'm not watching television and I don't see one of your commercials pop on the TV and kind of discuss all the great things you're doing for the people here in the community to fight for justice. And Bruce, I thought this would be a very good opportunity for our listeners and our viewers to get to know you, not only professionally, but also personally, because we all see you uh, quite often, as I mentioned, on television, hear you on the radio. And uh, I, I just really appreciate you being on today. Well, it's an honor to be here. Thank you. So if you don't mind, Bruce, maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background, please. Well, I'd be happy to do that. I um, was born in New York City in Manhattan and um, lived in Queens through high school. My father was a New York City fireman. He attended wow. the um, plane crash into the Empire State Building back in, um, I think it was the early 50s. Um, I was fortunate enough after high school, my um, mother's parents moved to Miami. So I had a choice of staying at home and going to college in New York City or moving to Miami and going to the University of Miami, living at my grandparents' house. So you could see that wasn't much of a choice. I <laughs> ran to Miami as fast as I could, and um, I was fortunate enough I went to undergraduate school at the university university of miami and then i was um, admitted and went to law school at the university of miami so i spent seven years at the university of miami when i graduated i was um, appointed as a um, assistant um, attorney general for the state of florida i spent one year in that position and um, we lived in Coconut Grove, which is a beautiful part of, of Miami. But unfortunately, um, our newspaper lady was robbed two times. Wow. And my wife said to me, she says, we have to move out of here. Um, what's the West Coast of Florida like? And I said to my wife, I said, you don't want to know anything about the West Coast of Florida it's nothing but um, rednecks and alligators. <laughs> what, what year was this? This was 1971. It's changed a bit since then, it's huh? It's changed <laughs> tremendously. So we were flat broke then. My wife had moved down to join me. She was um, a graduate student in microbiology at Yale. And um, we met at her, her sister's wedding. My wife was the maid of honor and I was the best man. And um, her sister got divorced three times after that. But my wife and I are still together 51 years later. Wow. Wow, that's a pretty good milestone. Well, you're also celebrating 50 years in practice as well, or a little bit more now at this point. That, that's true. So um, as I was saying, we were flat broke. And uh, my wife wanted to come over and visit the West Coast and see what it was like. And I had one credit card, which was an Exxon Oil gas card. And on the back of the gas card, it said accepted at Ramada Inn. So I looked in Ramada Inn, and they had a um, they had a motel right on the river in Fort Myers. So we went over, stayed in Ramada Inn in Fort Myers. Um, we got there Friday night. 
on Saturday, we went to Sanibel Island, and that was like uh, paradise. So we decided we were going to move to Fort Myers. Um, the next weekend, I came back and interviewed with some law firms. And um, a month later, we moved to Fort Myers. So we've been in Fort Myers ever since. We, I started with a partnership with some lawyers, but that didn't work out. And uh, my wife was my uh, right hand through the whole thing. She was very um, important in, in organizing our office and, and making it work the way it does. And um, you know, here we are 50 years later. When, when we started practicing, um, and people would ask, would say, Bruce, what kind of lawyer are you? And I would say, I'm a hand lawyer. <laughs> they said, hand lawyer? What do you mean? I said, anything I can get my hands on. <laughs> Love but, that. But as, as time went on, I, I saw a need for helping people that were injured as a result of someone else's negligence. And a lot of people didn't know then, and they still don't know now, that a personal injury lawyer never asks them to pay any money up front, not for the cost of, you know, prosecuting the claim or not for their fees. Our fees are collected if we make a recovery for the um, victim. And um, it always made me feel real good because, you know, the average working person can't take on general motors or general electric or any big company sure. they're just too big too they're big just, to fight yeah but um that that's when i'm at my best to be able to take on the biggest adversary and you know give my client um put them on equal footing so you know we started out with just my wife and i and now we have eight lawyers and a staff of 70 people and we're all dedicated. All we do is help injured people. Wow. Wow. Love that. If you don't mind, and then that, thank you for sharing that with us. I mean, that's, that's terrific. Let's go back even a little bit further, if you don't mind. I mean, sure. let's take me back. So your dad was a, a New York City firefighter. How, how about your mom? My mom worked as the secretary for an air conditioning firm. Okay. Okay. And what were you like in high school? I mean, did you want to be an attorney at that point? I mean, what kind of kid were you? What kind of student were you? Were you into sports? Um, I was into sports, but I was never good enough to make like the high school team or the college team. So we played, you know, locally, um, New York's famous for their parks. We, uh, every day after school, we went to the park, we played handball, we played basketball, a little bit of softball. Um, but, you know, starting when I was nine years old, I had a paper route, um, I, I did that until like I was about 13. I started caddying. Um, I used to go away in the summer times and caddies at, caddy at resorts. Um, an interesting th thing though is, you know, when you caddy, half the caddies, after they finish working, they go back and play golf and they become the best golfers. But after carrying two bags for 36 holes in a day, I didn't want to see the golf course. <laughs> that was anymore. enough, sure. So I never got got into golf the way some other people do. Um, and, you know, after working as a caddy, I worked at the pool and then I worked in the dining room. But I, I always had a job 
um, besides going to school. When I was going to the University of Miami, I worked at the um, racetracks, Hialeah Racetrack, called the racetrack, Tropical Racetrack, and I valeted cars. I parked cars at, at the racetrack. Wow. And um, then as I got into law school, I uh, went back to New York City in the summertime and I drove a taxi cab. And, um, well, that's always interesting. Being from New York as well, I can tell you that that's a challenge in itself. Well, it's a challenge. I don't want to drive with you. Maybe I do. I don't know. <laughs> Are you an offensive defensive driver at this point? It's a challenge, but it depends on your outlook. I, I loved it. I met really interesting people. Um, I helped people at, you know, driving the cab. I went out of my way. If someone needed help or, you know, was lost, I was there to help them. Um, and the most famous person I had in my taxi cab was Will Chamberlain, the basketball player. Wow. Did he have trouble fitting in the backseat of the cab? I was cab? Just gonna say that <laughs> he almost needed two taxis. I would imagine so. In. He was so big. But, um, you know, that, that was a lot of fun. And then I think it was starting in my second year of law school, I clerked for the attorney general's office that I later became an assistant attorney general. So I did that on a year-round basis. Um, once I started working for them. So in high school, did you know you wanted to be an attorney or not until you really went into college? I had a dream of being an attorney, but I never thought that my family had the wherewithal to help me get through law school. Um, sure. I thought I'd go to college and get a job and, and go from there. But I think it was my junior year of college, um, my parents said, Hey, would you like to go to law school? And I said, you know, don't ask me twice. I'd love <laughs> to go to law school and applied to law school. And I, I applied to the university of Miami and the university of Arizona. And, and mainly cause I had a um, health condition that I do much better in the warm weather. So I got accepted in both the university of Arizona, university of Miami, but I was familiar with Miami. I enjoyed being in Miami. So I stayed in Miami and went to law school. That's great. So now, as we mentioned, we fast forward 50 plus years that you're in practice, which again is absolutely astounding. That's uh, quite a career. What are some of the things you've learned throughout the 50 years that really you would like to share with the audience as far as things that, you know, maybe your expectations when you were a younger attorney versus what you've been able to see over the years? Well, the main thing that I'd like to share with people is, you know, a lot of people have an idea that it's not good to hire a lawyer or it's costly to hire a lawyer. You know, when you're in a unusual situation or an untoward situation, the earlier you call a lawyer, the better it is because there's so many things that have to be done to, you know, properly handle a case that, you know, the sooner you call an attorney that's competent to handle the case, the better the outcome is for you. Um, you know, the, it's, it's so important to set the potential client at ease, make them feel good about dealing with you, satisfy their concerns, because it's a strange world to most people. Most people haven't hired a call lawyer 
you know, in their entire life and, and they're afraid or concerned about dealing with a lawyer and afraid and concerned about the costs they may incur. So, you know, the, the advice I give is, you know, if you need a lawyer, call a lawyer, pick up the phone and talk to them and, you know, make sure you feel comfortable in, in talking to a lawyer um, because it's like a doctor. You know, when you go to a doctor's office, you want to be able to have a rapport with the doctor or a rapport with a lawyer so you could discuss your concerns and get them taken care of. Sure. Let, let's stay on that for a second, if you don't mind. So for someone listening right now who thinks they might need legal advice, how does it kind of work? What are the steps, I guess, involved? So the first thing is you said you pick up the phone or I know on your website, someone could obviously fill out some kind of questionnaire about what they need help with. What, what happens after that point? Who do they speak with? And what is the, I guess, progression of how it ends up getting to you at some point? Okay. Well, if someone fills out the questionnaire on our website, you know, we review it and we immediately or as soon as possible call them back. You know, if it's a case we think they could, we could help them with, we let them know and talk to them. Um, they will talk to one of my assistants. And it, as soon as we determine if we could help them or not, and they want us to help, you know, I'll make sure to be able to talk with them early in the proceedings so they get to know me and feel comfortable dealing with their law firm. And how long does it usually take before, I guess, you you realize that it's a case worth taking on that you think you could fight before it actually gets to the stages where you're trying to negotiate something? Well, a lot of times I could tell by their initial you know, questionnaire or obtain a few more facts from them and we could tell if we could help them or not. And, and I have to emphasize how important it is to call as early as possible because, you know, if you're in a bad car wreck, you know, all vehicles today have black boxes. You want to make sure you preserve the black box so you could tell how fast someone was going. You know, you want to get your investigator out to the scene so um, they could take pictures of the scene. There may be debris in the scene or other marks that you want to um, uh, captivate. You want to make sure you are able to contact the witnesses as early as possible so you could get a statement from them when, you know, the facts of the accident are fresh in their mind. Okay, this is probably a difficult question, but over the 50 years, any idea how many cases you've actually taken on over that period of time? Well, um, we recently changed our case management system and we number our cases differently now, but up to about two years ago, we had handled over 25,000 cases. 25,000. Wow. So is there one in particular that over the years that you would say stands out as being maybe one of the most challenging or, or most difficult cases you've taken on? Well, there, there are several that were very challenging and we were able um, to take to trial and um, get records setting verdicts from the juries. And, um, you know, one was a motorcycle accident and um, another was a um, slip and fall at a grocery store in um, Punta Gorda. And um, just the facts of those cases and the way that they were handled by the insurance company created 
um, the facts so that the jury got upset with the defense and awarded our clients very substantial verdicts. Interesting. Okay. So one of the things, Bruce, the reason we call this podcast the key ingredient is because for a lot of people, a lot of successful people, there's a key ingredient or a pivotal moment, right, that really attributed to their success. Is there anything looking back over the years that you would say there was one moment or one decision that you made that you think really attributed or at least catapulted your success? You know, I, I really can't put a finger on that, but I could tell you in, in my particular situation, it was hard work. Um, you know, during the day, you know, as we said, I've been doing this for 50 years, so I'm not quite putting in the 70 or 80 hours a week that I used to. I'm right. still working five full days a year, but, you know, just working hard, making sure you keep in communication with your client and, um, Taking care of businesses is the most important thing. And you mentioned you have quite a quite a large staff at this point. It's also a bit of a family affair, right? You, is your wife working with you? Um, my wife's working with us, not as much as she used to. But as I said earlier, she was the creator of our organization. And, and she um, put together a uh, plan more like... Um, a factory, and I don't like to use the factory because it doesn't sound good, but we have departments that handle our cases. Sure. So it goes like on an assembly line from our initial contact is we call our client coordinators or intake, and they get the information, and they meet with the clients, and they discuss the case with me, and then they go. In, in Florida, we have no-fault insurance so we have a department called First Party Benefits, and they take care of our clients' um, initial medical bills, make sure they get paid. And then we have trial coordinators that coordinate our case once one suit is filed. And, of course, we have our, our lawyers. So it, it, it enables us to handle cases in a much more efficient way. I would say that's that's definitely more of an efficient type of building a business to scale type of approach, right? So for anyone listening who's expanding their business, I mean, at some point, every business needs to do that. And uh, clearly, that's what your wife was very good at with helping you. Yeah, she was terrific. She was, you know, she couldn't be my partner legally because she's not a lawyer, but she was my partner. You know, I, I've got to um, attribute a great amount of success to to her being there by my side. And then I was fortunate enough, I think it's about 14 years ago now, my son joined the practice. And um, my son's an all-star. I mean, he's the one that's got these record-setting verdicts. And uh, wow. he, he's probably, if I had to pick any lawyer in the country that represented me, I'd pick my son because he's very, very bright and very articulate. Well, he had a good teacher. I mean, certainly having a good mentor is uh, is an important part of any business. Of course, when it's when it's your own father, and uh, and the track record you've had, that's amazing. So yeah, it sounds like he's a rising star. He is a rising star, and I'm very proud. And probably one of the reasons that I continue working is because his office is right next to mine, and we confer every day. And it's just, you know, what better 
um, thing in, in life is to be able to be next to your son all day and, and watch him progress and work together with him. Yeah, you must take incredible joy out of that. I, I would imagine. Would um so Bruce, as far as succession plans go, so what what's what's your plan? I mean, do you do you continue uh, having the desire to kind of want to help people for many many years? Do you think you're going to continue to maybe reduce your hours a little bit and have your son kind of take over the practice? Well, my son is in charge now. He's like the managing um, attorney in the firm. But um, you know, as we discussed. We're celebrating 50 years. I'm working on my second 50 years. Love it. So, uh, you know, I'm planning on going from my desk to that beautiful brown box. That's that's terrific. I love that. What what um for anyone listening right now who's saying maybe someone young in college or in high school saying, you know, I I've seen Bruce on TV. Being an attorney is something that maybe I aspire to. What kind of advice do you have for them? Um, if you have a desire to work hard. And a desire to help people, being an attorney is an incredible opportunity. Great. Anything else you want to share with us, Bruce, before we kind of wrap up here a little bit? Uh, the only thing I want to share is I really appreciate your inviting me here. I enjoyed discussing this with you. And if I could ever help or there's anything I can contribute in the future, please invite me down. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you for all the great work you've done. Appreciate you being on the key ingredient and look forward to uh, to continuing to watch your success and what you're doing for everyone in the community. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. Thank you, Bruce.